It's like one of those things where we all have to have our elevator pitch and we all have to be prepared to sell what it is, our vision, our mission, our purpose. It's not just for our clients. When I continue to talk to my partner about what it is that I do, he wants that elevator pitch and it's geared more towards him as a stakeholder. Hey, travel advisors, you are listening to the Travel Biz CEO podcast by Kinship Travel Academy. It's not enough to just love travel. You need to have the appropriate business systems, marketing strategies, and mindset tune-up and coaching to make it in this business and step into the role of CEO. That's why we focus on all three. We are Wendy, Ashley, and Crystal, your hosts of Travel Biz CEO and the founders of Kinship Travel Academy. We are three travel advisors that saw a glaring need in the travel industry, the need to look at the whole advisor. Through our own travel business journeys, we all joined communities and signed up for courses and masterminds to help push us to the next level. And all of them ended up falling short of our expectations. That's why we started Kinship Travel Academy, where we focus on the mind, body, and soul, or the marketing, business operations, and mindset of a travel advisor. It's a program for modern travel advisors created by modern travel advisors. Welcome to the next chapter of the travel industry. Travel Biz CEO listeners, we are here for the season two finale of Travel Biz CEO. I am Crystal Eicher, and I am one of the founders of Kinship Travel Academy and the marketing guru of that trio of ladies. And I'm joined here today by my partners. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, ladies. Hi, I'm Ashley Metis McCoy, newly residing in Missoula, Montana. I am the business operations side of this team and I have a sinus infection, so I probably sound very nasally right now. (laughs) Apologies for the listeners. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Hi, I'm Wendy Guth. I'm in Southern Maryland in what I hope is going to be the end of the heat that we have. I focus in on mindset, goal setting. I'm actually super excited about the topic we're talking about today. (laughs) Investing in your business. You always have to look at your stakeholders. That in some ways is not just yourself and your clients but it can also be those who actually share your world with you, a partner, spouse, family, and it requires a buy-in all the way around. At least it did for me. I think for you guys as well. What brought about this topic of this podcast was I was listening to another podcast. The idea of unsupportive spouses came up I kind of chuckled because this is a really common theme in our industry. I feel like a common story that I hear from travel advisors, especially travel advisors who are women, sorry to pick on us, is (laughs) that my spouse is not supportive. He just doesn't understand what it is I'm trying to do. That really resonated with me because 
when we made the decision to start this business, it was starting a business and it required a capital contribution. It required some startup seed money. You have to invest in the business to grow the business. I thought this would be an interesting conversation to have with Ashley and Wendy. And we started this conversation on a Voxer thread and a lot of really great points came up. Ultimately, I did have the same struggles in my house with this business from my husband, because he didn't understand where the money was coming from. What do you mean you had to pay? What do you mean you had had another $750 on your credit card you needed to pay off this month? Where is the money going? What is it doing? Now, when I shifted the conversation and I said, okay, this is what I need. These are my projected costs for the year. This is why. These are my investments that I'm making in marketing. And this is my intended and hopeful return Well, spending the money was no problem, except that I forget my husband lives outside my head, not so much inside my head. Actually, that's kind of the problem with the whole world, or maybe the blessing for the rest of the world. (laughs) Depends on who you ask. (laughs) (laughs) But it really changed. It shifted the entire way we talked around my business. I think that if more people could really put on their CEO hat and treat this like a business, like Wendy said, identify who your stakeholders are. It would make a really big difference in how your business is received by those stakeholders. It's like one of those things where we all have to have our elevator pitch. We all have to be prepared to sell what it is, our vision, our mission, our purpose It's not just for our clients. When I continue to talk to my partner about what it is that I do, he wants that elevator pitch. It's geared more towards him as a stakeholder. I have to be prepared to tell him, it makes it sound kind of harsh, but it's not really, but I have to sharpen that pencil to be able to tell him what I want to do. Are there any cost implications that impact the family? That's an important thing. It's actually not just monetary cost. It's also time costs. Am I disappearing <laughs> for a couple of days? <laughs> but all those different kinds of things. I think it's a matter of really just sitting down, planning for this. In the long run, it pays off in dividends. It's interesting because Crystal brought this up. We use Boxer for internal communications. For those who aren't familiar, it's just like verbal messages, short recorded messages that you send back and forth. When she brought long this up, recorded. Yeah, in our case, sometimes long, long messages. It's easier than texting and emailing. Shout out to Voxer. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Voxer. Just joking. <laughs> in all seriousness, when Crystal brought this up, it's interesting because I typically consider myself a pretty business-minded person. I think about my business very deliberately. I never really thought about it in the sense that my husband and I have invested in my business since we opened. I've never really thought of him as traditional investor. I should even go further with that and think of myself as an investor. There have been times in the beginning where I dipped into my savings to get this going that does impact our family. And then it also impacts my future security. So it was a really interesting mindset frame for me 
Because if I were to, I mean, I've never done this, approach a family member for funding or and then, of course, approach a lending institution or anybody, I'd have to have some documents lined up, my business plan, my projections. I'd have to have, I actually cringe at the word elevator pitch, I hate it. But that's just because it's so like ingrained in business school and it makes me think of my MBA days. It's true. You still need to be able to qualify what you're doing, why you need that investment. One of the things I'm learning is it's actually irresponsible to ask for more than you actually need. So sitting down and figuring out what your expenses are, this is just a fundamental part of running a business, projecting your expenses. So you know what kind of revenue you need to make, what are your goals? So then you know how many clients you need to serve. That exercise will also serve this purpose in giving yourself an idea of what is a realistic amount of money to ask for from investors, whether it's outside investors or your own self. I'll be honest, I didn't do that in the beginning. And I have an MBA. (laughs) I just kind of looked at my own pockets. You know, I've been working hard. I saved this up. This is my launch. But I don't think I deliberately thought about every single spend. We're not saying that you can't utilize an element of instinctual decision making and take some risks here and there because that's what entrepreneurship is about. You still should do your research and kind of plan stuff out. That's my two cents. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because you have to think about yourself as the investor, whether it's from your family or a spouse. And my husband used to refer to himself as the investor in my business. And I used to get so mad at him. <laughs> I still get mad at him when he says that. Who am I kidding? Like the um, elevator pitch. I don't oh, know. It's cringy because it's just, <laughs> there's a lot of baggage and you know, that's what we go to therapy for. I know that at the end of the day, whether you're making these decisions as a family with a spouse, or even if you're not married and you're making these decisions individually, You are still taking money from a personal fund, from a private account, and transferring it to a bank account to fund your business. If you're not doing that, that's a whole different podcast, people. (laughs) You're still taking things from a personal column to a business column. No matter how you do that, that's an investment that is by definition a capital contribution. If you're going to personally make the capital contributions into your business, those decisions need to be made with your business hat on. And Mm -hmm. intuition is great. Emotions, not so much. So be very weary about making emotional purchases, emotional decisions, Mm -hmm. really make a decision with that business hat on. I think this is interesting because Wendy and I were boxing the other day about how a lot of people are saying, I have vowed I'm not going to purchase any more courses for the rest (laughs) of the year. Because you can get caught up in the emotion of a sales page and of a sales pitch Mm -hmm. and a program. And I know we've all done it with mastermind programs and other things. We were making large financial decisions from an emotional state without really asking ourselves, what's the return on investment? Do I have the cash flow to make this business decision right now? I think if we could go back and do things differently, I guess I don't want to speak for Ashley and Wendy. I know that I would. I would make some decisions differently. So that's why this reframe to me was really important to say, I think we can get really spun up in this idea of you have to spend money to make money, which is true. Like you have to invest in your business to accelerate some things. You have to invest in marketing. You have to invest in things. We do it at KTA now because we all have business hats on and we all walked into this partnership and this business all kind of vowing, we're going to do this 
the right way. Our decisions at KTA are very data-driven, I think. The thing that really comes to mind is that whenever you invest in whatever it is, whether it's time, whether it's money, whatever it is, there needs to be some end result. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything always goes well. Hello, look at us now. But at least there's some <laughs> that, that maybe the past year has not been oh, the past okay. year, 15 months, 18 months. What are your expectations? And those expectations can be evaluated at whatever frequency you're comfortable with. There needs to be expectations and there needs to be some objectivity in evaluated. Just as Crystal said, having things that are data-driven is so important. Even if it's a commitment of time, I've heard about so many people past couple of years. It hasn't been the financial, but it's been the time. They're working, 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 working. Where does the return come in? That's my two cents. <laughs> well, it's a good two cents in terms of the idea that, oh my gosh, I totally lost my thought. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> well, let me just jump in real quick. Yeah. Point, if you're going to invest a lot of time, but you're only making like two bucks an hour, really it's time to reevaluate if this is worth showing up for you. Well, exactly. And that's, well, and that's as much of the time. But I think it goes, it probably goes without saying, but in the beginning, you are going to invest a lot of foundation laying time where you are making $0 an hour. I don't know what the magic formula is when you need to stop that. It comes back to the point of having this conversation with your spouse or whoever your investors are yourself. You have to work out that budget and understand your time. Mm -hmm. This is, this is our make it or break it timeline, nine months from now, 18 months from now, two years from now, whatever. We can invest this much over this period of time. And if it's not returning on our investment at that point, then we need to think about something else. So that's where those deliberate planning and conversations come in. What I remember what I was going to say earlier, I like your point that we are data-driven because we do track data. We typically look at it monthly and see where we're at in terms of our finances, but also in terms of our internal metrics that we measure, at least at KTA, like how many members we have, what's our retention rate, that type of thing. We know those numbers, but occasionally opportunities will come up. We recognize, and I think we don't sit down, we're not like, okay, let's have a meeting about that and form a committee and decide based on all of you. We'll make some instinctive, but with the background like of our data knowledge and our research on the opportunities ahead of time, we'll make some somewhat instinctive decisions because there is still an element of if you're engaging in another company, mm -hmm. kind of sussing out if they're a good fit and if it seems like a good intuitive fit. So I just mm -hmm. want to throw that out there. It's a combination of all the things, but you, you really can't do one without the other. Either. If you have a solid foundation and you have numbers that you've been tracking, you actually, I think it gives you the confidence to be able to possibly take risks or make some changes or things because you have a solid foundation. Yeah. yeah. And I think that to Ashley's point, you know, we've invested in a few mastermind programs and a few other things through KTA, and we've had very quick conversations about what do you think? The data that drove those decisions for us to instinctually say yes was we knew how much money we had in our bank account. 
We knew what our projected income was. We could see our growth rates. We could see all of those things. Then we also had to set goals and say, okay, in order to cover these expenses, this is what needs to have happen. You can make financial decisions in your business. You could say, I'm going to invest $1,000 in Facebook ads this month, but you need to be able to track those expenses as you go monthly. You need to know what your conversion rates are, what your click-through rates are, all of those things to make sure so that you can go back after the fact or as it's going and you can tweak and go along the way. Then you can look back and some investments you're going to make mistakes on, but you've just paid for a really expensive lesson in some cases, which we've all been there as well. I think if you know your runway and you know what you're comfortable spending and you know what you have spent, it doesn't feel like a huge devastating loss or a huge mistake. I think where people get in trouble is if you didn't stop or call some expenses at the start of this pandemic, like in March of 2020, then you were a damn fool because there were certain things and certain business decisions you needed to make investment-wise as things were slowing down because you didn't have the income to cover it. That's where people were getting in trouble with their investors or their partners or their spouses or themselves is because there was this panic. We were leaking, the ship was leaking and we had no way to plug the leak. Mm -hmm. And it caused a lot of extra stress and strain on people in this past year. In a lot of ways, those uncomfortable moments can be avoided, again, if we put our CEO hats on and we really start looking at the numbers and start really making decisions from a data point and not from an emotional point. Which admittedly is very hard. It's incredibly hard. (laughs) So that's why we call this the Travel Biz CEO podcast because it takes work to, to achieve that title and maintain it. It's not easy, but that's that's where you want to be. Like, that's how you want to run your business. And if it's a muscle that you continue to exercise when times are really good, when times are just, you know, whenever, if you continue to do it always in your business, when times do require possibly contraction or something of that nature, you're better able to respond to it. Mm -hmm. You have that muscle and you've been working that muscle all along and you have a better idea, even possibly, you know, especially like with projections and things like that. It's something to start. If you you don't do it, start now. (laughs) And we can help you with that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. A lot of our classes and our membership program cover exactly this. How do you track your financials? How do you do your annual strategic planning? For next year, how do you do your marketing strategy planning? How do you plan out those budgets? All of the things. How to adjust your mindset around all of those different relevant topics. Oh yeah, because the money thing is, <laughs> oh, that's a bitch. That's just that's all there is to it. Well, an explicit rating on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we went for it. Because okay. that's just all it is. <laughs> it's true. (laughs) Everybody struggles with the money mindset thing. It's just part of it. And this is part of entrepreneurship and there are things that we're uneasy about, but I will say that being a data-driven business owner versus being a, I'm going to just see how I feel about it. Business owner is a nine day difference. It gives me so much more confidence in the Mm -hmm. money area Mm -hmm. 
when I know our money. And I don't know about you guys, but I used to be the kind of person, even in my personal finances, I just put my head in the sand. I was a mm-hmm. bank account, bank balance budgeter. Oh, there's money <laughs> in our bank account. I'm not going to worry about it. It was not a great place to be. I felt insecure about money all the time. I was stressed about money all the time. And we thought about money all the time. And this is not a podcast about money, but I think that if you can have control of your finances and you can work out those budgets and you can work out those things and you see progress in your plans, same thing with your business, your confidence just soars around money. I mean, there's a bazillion topics we could go with this, but there's like two thoughts that stand out. One is money problems are one of the top three, if not top reasons for people file for divorce. So it's legit. Like it's, <laughs> oh yeah. Money is the number one stressor in marriages. The other thing that I keep thinking about is how you, another thing you said on Boxer, Crystal, the other day was, I think it was on Boxer. I don't know. It could have been our last meeting, but we were kind of like thinking about we're, we're adjusting our advertising strategy, tactics, spend, you know, we're, we're doing, Crystal's doing a phenomenal job of looking at that every month and tweaking it, bringing on different partners. Anyway, so one of the things we were looking at recently was sort of what we need in terms of growth and in our business model, that's new members of KTA or different product purchases for you. It'd be new clients, new service fees, bookings, talking about what our goals are for the next two months monthly so that we can justify our advertising expenses and any other types of new business development thinks we're bringing on a virtual assistant for the first time to help us with our background stuff. We need to be able to justify these costs so that we can continue to grow. Crystal told me that knowing what those goals are really helps her to get it done. Basically, I took that for granted. In my head of school, that we just want to grow. We want to keep growing. You know, that's our goal. But for Crystal, having specific numbers is helpful in focusing her. And I don't I think everybody thinks about that differently, but it's also important to think about that in terms of who your partners and your business are, who your investors are. Mm-hmm. Some people work much better with specifics. That was another like mindset reframe for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's good to remember. I think it's all relative. Again, <laughs> there's lots of different directions we could go with this topic, but whether it's a partner or an investor or yourself, there's lots of reasons why this is important. You know, the number two after finances is communication. Again, whether it's with, you know, romantic partnerships, business partnerships, whatever, not only understanding your financial situation and your financial goals, but also being able to communicate and articulate that it also really goes far in terms of, and it also, again, it helps build your own confidence. I don't think anyone ever goes into <laughs> becoming an entrepreneur thinking, oh, it's going to be easy or it's going to be a surefire, whatever, or most people don't. But the ability to articulate what it is that you want to do and what your goals are also allows you in your own head to adjust and adapt if you need to. Which a lot of times, at least I'll, again, I'll admit my mistakes, which is why I try to teach, (laughs) don't do what I did, as I say, no, I'm just joking. I I learned over time that when I first started the travel business, I wasn't as closely tracking number of clients, average service fee. I wasn't tracking these important internal metrics so that I could develop 
professional girls, which is, I kind of started feeling fuzzy and lack of confidence. Once I started, I didn't know what were the internal drivers that was moving my business forward. So that's why I sat down and developed my annual strategic work shop for myself. I was like, I'm going to go through Mm -hmm. this process so that I can see where I'm at and see where I want to go. And then I started teaching the people on my team. And now we do it with KTA. I'm just telling you, like, I didn't do this in the beginning either. So if you're not, don't feel like you're a bad person. It's not usually intuitive for people to do this type of thing. I think it's a common mistake. Careers and travel are sold as a low barrier to entry. So a lot of people say, oh, just join a host agency and then you'll just start selling travel and then you'll take off. If you listen to our podcast with Lanisa Galliard, she, forget your legal one, mm-hmm. she even said, she, if you want a low barrier of entry career field, you need to go sign up for Pamper Chef, go do something else. There's a bit of investment required to start this particular business. You can scale slowly. You can scale quickly. It's all up to you. But at some point in time, there's going to be required investments into the business. There are hosting fees if you choose not to be hosted. There are legal fees. There are insurance fees. There are licensing fees because you need your seller travel license. There are all these things that you need to do. So you need to recognize from the very beginning, again, this is a business. This is your pizza parlor. I'm going to bring that. This is your pizza parlor that you have to invest in. So it is normal and natural for your partner to ask questions about those investments because there is a risk involved when it comes to investing in a business. Mm -hmm. Having those very important conversations about how comfortable you are, like what's what's your runway? What's the maximum number you're willing to risk and it fail? Is it $1,000? Is it $10,000? Is it somewhere in between? That's a really tough conversation to have you should be having that conversation with yourself if you don't have an outside investor is, you know, what is it that you're Mm -hmm. comfortable losing? Is it $30,000? Is it $50,000? As anybody who's been in a business this last year, there are no guarantees in this travel business to make money. Yeah. The whole concept of risk aversion well, that could be an entirely, (laughs) that could be an entirely different Mm -hmm. conversation, but it is so important. It's also important to, again, do things, you know, you, you sit down and you think about it and you plan and you prep and everything. And you, you feel that you've come up with a plan at the beginning. You need to check in on yourself as you go along because things change. Aversion changes. The world we live in changes. Also checking in with your stakeholders to make sure that they're also in line. And it's not, well, you told me two years ago that you were fine with this. Mm, Yeah. That doesn't generally work. (laughs) Yeah. Because investors that were fine investing in travel in 2018 and 2019 might've had different feelings about it. And it's when you communicate and you don't remain silent about things. I know there was a period where I just didn't want to have conversations. My husband finally sat me down and said, can we just chat about this? We went out to dinner, had a couple glasses of wine. He felt so much better because he was just able to just to hear what was in my head. It was, it was a scary conversation. But anyway, but having that ability just to hear how I was feeling, what was going on. Also having him say, and this was really key for us. He's like, you're not burdening me when you share. 
Oh, and can I ask you this question? Did you make that conversation out worse in your head before you had Oh, this? of course I did. Of yeah, course I that, did. I always make those conversations worse. Regardless of how much mindset training there is, those conversations, mm-hmm. it, you rehearse them, you practice them, and you think, oh, Lord. And then if it turns out, if you know the person, and that's, again, a whole other issue. If you don't know the person you're really talking to or really know the person you're talking to. But, yeah, it ended up being probably one of the most productive conversations we have had. It has enabled him to really be a good advisor as I move along. He's not involved. So <laughs> just having advice from people who know, love, and care about you is a good thing as well. We're talking specifically about spouses, but any type of investor or partnership you have that maybe not so conventional, like a bank loan officer or something, which mm-hmm. really the same conditions apply, but we're talking about those more emotionally charged, intimate relationships that you have. I just wanted to add that what you said was really powerful because as business owners, we do tend, and especially women, probably we do tend to take on all the responsibilities ourselves, And it is a heavy burden. We feel like we took on this project, so we need to succeed. And if we don't succeed, we fail, whatever that means. We don't want to talk about that. And we don't want to share it because we don't want to burden people. When you do actually end up having those super hard conversations, I feel like a weight lifts off my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think my partner, at least I have a generally good relationship with my partner. So I'm blessed in that respect. I think my partner feels better too, even if everything I say to him is bad news. <laughs> like he just feels better knowing that mm-hmm. what's going on with me, what the situation is and what's in my head. There's a lot of reasons to be open about that. It lifts the burden on you and your partner. And that's yeah, yeah and that, that doesn't make you a bad business. That actually makes you a smart business owner. It doesn't make you mm-hmm. a failure. If you are in debt in your business, if you have struggled in the last year, that doesn't make you a failure. If you feel like you need to close up shop in your business, that doesn't make you a failure. It makes you a smart business owner. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree smart. to the way. Well, and- smart business decision-making processes is pivot, proceed or close like mm-hmm. basically the critical questions you ask yourself at a critical time like now for many business owners those are the options and how you do that is the question you need to have with your investors but that is exactly what i was going to say it brings it back full circle in that when you start an endeavor you have an idea you may not know all of the details but you plan to the best of your knowledge, the best of your ability. I've heard that savvy business owners have an exit strategy. They know at some point, when is it that I have reached that point where you make, maybe it is making those choices. You go on to something else, you close up shop, whatever it is. Oh, sorry. There was, I'm sorry. I'm looking, I'm looking at a cat who is now tickling Ashley's nose. So sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Mike Pence's fly was buzzing around her earlier. And oh my gosh. There were two two bucks, like, you know, boy (laughs) ears, for those who don't know, with the horns outside my window yesterday, locking horns as I was working. Oh, wow. So I live in the wilderness now, including my. (laughs) 
I just think that these are such important conversations to have. I think we look forward to continuing the conversation in Kinship Travel Academy with you all. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a wrap for season two of Travel Biz CEO. I think the cat... The cat is saying it's a wrap. So first of all, shout out to all of our listeners this year. Thank you guys so much for making this podcast the success that it has been. It has been a ton of fun behind the scenes. If you would like to hear us cover specific topics, we have heard back from a few of you. So we have a lot of fun lined up for season three, but shoot us a DM at Kinship Travel Academy on Instagram Join us in our travel agent training and mentorship Facebook group. The link is in the show notes and let us know what topics you'd like us to hear covered. Otherwise, that's a wrap for season two and we will see you back in season three in just a few weeks. Woo-hoo. Thanks, Woo. everyone. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We hope you got something great out of today's episode. If you were wondering where you are out of balance in your travel business, take our free quiz at kinshiptravelacademy.com backslash quiz to find out and receive free resources to help bring you into alignment in your travel business. And if you enjoyed today's episode, take a screenshot and share it on social media. Be sure to tag us at Kinship Travel Academy or hashtag Travel Biz CEO. Also, if you loved us, don't forget to leave a review and be sure to hit subscribe. Here's to you. See you at the next level.